Bigger on the Inside presents Doctor Who and the Daleks. As always, I am Michael Sims, and with me is Dan Toland. How you doing, Dan? I think that, as always, is maybe kind of overstating things a little bit. <laughs> shush, you shush. Oh, I am okay. How about yourself? I am doing well, but we are not alone today. Mm-hmm. Joining us for this um, slightly belated 60th anniversary special... <laughs> Um, is Dan Toland? Dan Toland, Jesus Christ! You can tell I'm him still here. Hey, <laughs> is Dave Probert? How you doing, Dave? Hello. <laughs> yes. So, uh, like I said, this is uh, for the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. This is our special. Uh, it's a little late. That's on me. I apologize to everybody. But we thought that um, to celebrate the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. We would do something different, and as I said uh, at the very top, we are looking at the 1965 movie, Doctor Who and the Daleks. Dan, I think this was your idea when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do, right? Probably. Yeah, it was. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is the Peter Cushing movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did this come about? Not to put you on the spot, but you're you generally are a fan of. I mean, yeah, I mean, basically, it boils down to Dalek mania was a thing that was happening, Mm -hmm. and Amicus decided they wanted to get in on that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, they took they got the rights to two Dalek stories, and they made this movie along with the sequel, uh, like two months later or some shit, (laughs) very very soon afterwards, and. yeah, that was basically, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't get much more convoluted than that. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's, hey, this is this is really popular. We should get in on this. <laughs> so we're yeah, about the, the, the big, the big... exploiting a hot property. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have a machine that makes money. Let's press the button that makes the money. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the big selling points of this, of course, it was on a lot of the posters at the time. We saw the Daleks in color. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I've actually got a poster in my in my living room. Oh. I'm looking at it right now. And, uh, it's a beautiful poster too. <laughs> but, oh, it's great artwork. Yeah, but yeah, it's out on the big screen in color. Oh. Yeah, and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but seeing them in color was pretty sweet. I gotta yeah. admit, you know. Yeah. So, but speaking of Daleks in color, have either of you guys seen the colorized restoration of the Daleks, the second ever Doctor Who serial? Because didn't that just drop in the last like week or two as of this recording? It it dropped on the 60th anniversary, the actual 60th anniversary. And instead of being 72 parts, it's only 75 minutes, right? Uh, I think it's closer to 70, actually. Okay. But have you both seen it? I have not. Okay. I have. And how was it, Dave? Uh, It's okay. I mean, obviously they've they've had... it, it. They've truncated it a lot because, you know, they made it shorter. And they've added some visual effects stuff to mm-hmm. it and some sound effects stuff 
to kind of add lots of new music and stuff. And like, I think some of the choices work and some of them maybe not so much. Um, but overall, I mean, it's, it's a great colorization job. It looks fantastic. Good. Um, yeah, and like, it, it does obviously kind of cut down some of the. Uh, some of the some of the kind of longer, more drawn out bits that they use to fill time in the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, but like, like if anything, it's almost a little bit too quick now. Ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, especially sort of like the last kind of bit of the end, it's sort of lots of things happening really quickly, one after the other, and, and yeah. But no, it, 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 as a as a curio, as a, as an interesting thing, it's it, it's great to see. Yeah, I've been trying to track it down, but I can't quite find it. I know it comes out on. Blu-ray, I think in January or just February of next right. year, something like that. But so I'll probably mm-hmm. just have to wait till that. But okay, yeah. I just thought I'd ask because you know we're covering this, the Daleks in color. They just colorize that, so that's yeah. that's all that was about. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it, again, it was, it, it's a, having seen both, it's sort of an interesting comparison because mm-hmm. I think it does actually hit the story beats roughly the same pace as this does. Mm-hmm. But obviously, in a very different way, as we'll get get to when we talk about it, in terms of some of the tone of this is very different. Yeah. Okay, so before we get into this, is it safe to assume you guys had seen this before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd seen this like yeah, I mean at least thirty years ago at this point, <laughs> and then I very recently, um, recently, it was for whatever reason it was on. TV. It was just on over the air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wendy was flicking through channels and noticed that this was on, so we just sat and we watched it. And then they, and then 2150 AD was on directly after it, so we watched that. Uh. <laughs> so that was a really cool little double feature at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's sort of interesting to see when this gets shown around, because obviously, technically speaking, this isn't owned by the BBC, right. so it's so it could get shown, sort of as a film, kind of elsewhere and stuff. So that's uh, it. It does crop up in a lot of places. But I mean, again, I remember watching this on TV as a kid because yeah, they put it on a Saturday afternoon, sort of thing. I've seen it a few times since. I own like the double box set um, DVD with this and the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know now, that um, Kino Lorber released both of them on Blu-ray, I want to say two years ago, maybe three, yeah. um, which is what we watched, a really nice, really nice print. Now, for a little while, and please correct me if I'm misinformed here, because that's the way the show goes, um, wasn't for a little while, like, kind of, maybe not the only way, but a very good way to get, I don't know if it was this one or the sequel, was the MST3K, or Rift Tracks, the Rift, Rift Tracks. Tracks version but you could turn off their track and actually just watch the movie. I know they did that with the sequel. I don't know if they did that with this. Okay, because I know I had it. I just can't remember which one it was. Mm-hmm. Because going back to the question I asked both of you about having seen this before, I thought this was my first time seeing this, mm-hmm. but it turns out I had watched this before. But this was one of these... Mike stays up way too late at night and is maybe not exactly sober moments. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> as I'm watching it, I'm going, am I remembering the Daleks or am I actually remember watching this? And having now f- 
officially seen this all the way through with a clear head in mind. Um, I definitely had seen this before, but didn't pay totally full attention that first time, clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll consider this my first time watching it, but with a little asterisk on it. You know, so but it follows so many of the plot of the of the beats of the Daleks that it's sort of like, well, I've seen that multiple times. <laughs> you know, so I was kind yeah, of a little I mean, familiar with this. I was going like, ask... to sorry if we want to do the quick way of doing the synopsis, we could just yeah, you know, we could just say sort of like instead of doing this beat by beat, we get like like you know the Daleks that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And Mike, now we covered the Daleks obviously like fifteen years ago. Yeah, point, which yeah. Jesus Christ, I know. But and, and you have seen it since then, though. Yes. Uh, round about early, I want to say late October, early November of 2022, I started to do a re-watch oh, right, right, of the classic yeah. era. And a few months ago, I stopped. I got up through, what's Sarah Jane's final story in the classic era? Out of fear. Yeah. Out of fear. And then, so what's next after that? Uh, Gal- uh, Deadly Assassin. Yes. Yeah, so I stopped there because I was getting to the point where it was the only thing I was watching. Mm. And I was getting a little burnt out and down on the show. And I'm like, this ain't the show's fault. It's because you're watching these too fast, you know? So, but yeah. anyways, the point is, yeah, I definitely did rewatch The Daleks about two years ago at this. Well, no, about a little more than a year ago at this point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember when I, you know, when I did, even though I don't have those notes in front of me, um, when I did rewatch it again about a year or so ago, it definitely drags in places, but that's the nature of how they were done back then, right? Yeah, yeah. Like basically, you you were given some episodes, or a set amount of episodes, and you were told to sort of fill them. Mm-hmm. And and every so often, partway through your story, you'd be given an extra episode because something else fell through. Right. <laughs> yeah, because these were not meant to be sat and watched in a two and a half hour block. Yeah, no. yeah, no. And hey, Dan. Yes, sir. You nailed it on the head. Oh, yeah. I knew we launched this show on the anniversary of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. I forgot it was the 45th anniversary, but that makes this right. our 15th anniversary of Bigger on the Inside. It does indeed, yeah. And looking at it, we released the original Daleks episode on December 7th, 2008. Ah. So this is, if I can time this right, if I can get the edit out real quickly, <laughs> and I, can, I might drop this on December 7th, 2023, mm-hmm. so we hit that 15th anniversary mark. So Jesus. Holy fucking shit. All right. Like, in, in a way, sort of being <laughs> on this particular show is a, kind of a surreal experience for me, because I know, like, the three of us have done things across various mm-hmm. different sure. podcasts, but Bigger on the Inside was how I found Earth 2 in the first place. Oh, mm. Like, that's how I, you know, somebody recommended it to me and I started listening to it. And that's how I started listening to the other shows on Earth too. And, you know, we ended up, yeah, becoming friends and working together. Yeah. Stuff. But, but yeah, no, it, it, was, it was me listening to Bigger on the Inside that started it all. So actually, to, being, being on an episode of Bigger <laughs> on the Inside is actually kind of surreal for me. Wow. <laughs> if I may In ask, a good way. Yeah. If I may ask, do you remember what episode it was that, you first listened to or you kind of like grabbed you oh I, I, I think I went back to the beginning I, I, oh, started okay. the, I started the start cool okay yeah. yeah I cannot listen to those episodes man <laughs> no I don't listen back to old episodes of anything I can't I can't yeah. <laughs> I just can't I'm, hey, and I'm not knocking them at all it's just it's one of those things like rereading your writing you know what I yeah. mean yeah. yeah or looking at old art whatever your passion is it's like nah I'm young and stupid I can't 
Yeah. Or I was young and stupid. I can't go back for that shit. <laughs> I know. I find myself going, oh my god, did I say that? I know, right? <laughs> See, that, now what you need to do is circle back and start doing it all over again. <laughs> With the benefit of 15 years of hindsight. I know. <laughs> More mature, experienced watches of television. I know, really. I'm so much better at watching TV now. <laughs> mm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my posture sorted and everything. I was like, I was doing it all wrong before. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, without without bigger on the inside, Dave, you never would have you never would have been able to watch Rollerblade. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You know? So you know, thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> no manimal, no uh, anything, whatever the hell else. You know? Oh God, yeah. No, no, I mean, like Shake and Blake wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just. <laughs> the three of us talking about Logan's run wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah. That made it all worth it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we got him. We fucking got him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we dive into this? Yeah. Let's yes, yeah. I think before it, before it falls apart any further. Yeah. So yeah. just a brief explanation, just in case this is anybody's first time listening to the stylish show we're about to do. Um, Dave mentioned it a moment or two ago. This is going to be a beat-by-beat discussion of Doctor Who and the Daleks, meaning we are going to really just kind of drill into every piece of action and whatnot that happens uh, in this, and we'll interrupt each other. We'll say, you know, this and that about those pieces and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to give a, a, a little bit of that in case anybody just thought it's like, here's the basic plot, and then we were just going to go on about it from there. That's not how we're doing this. So, right. There you go. Okay. And it'll be Dave who's doing the beat-by-beat synopsis here. Yes. So, we have a quite quite sedate titles, really. I, don't, I think I was remembering the ones from 2150 AD, which are just chaos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was quite surprised. So I was expecting that, but it's like, oh, this is all just quite reasonable. It's nice. Um, but yes, yeah, so uh, we... You know, it's Doctor Who and the Daleks, and we, uh, we, I think it's the outside of a house we see the establishing shot of, and then we go inside the the, the house of the house of the Who's, <laughs> <laughs> and we see uh, a young girl, Susan, who is reading. Uh, I think it's like physics for the um, intellectually curious or something like that, and then we see her sister Barbara, who is reading a science book, and then we. Pull across to uh, Doctor Who, who is reading a copy of The Eagle. <laughs> I don't know if you guys are familiar with The Eagle. I know what it is. I've never seen it yeah. myself. Yeah. Which, which is a nice, funny kind of opening joke. Yeah. It, it works. So, Barbara uh, is getting ready because her new boyfriend, Ian, is coming to visit and so she goes upstairs to get changed, and there's a knock on the door. And so Susan get, goes to get the door, and then <laughs> Ian starts this film as he means to go on by immediately prat falling through the door after Susan opens it, because uh, yes, uh, Ian is played by Roy Castle, who is. Uh, well, people my age just remember him from a show called Record Breakers, which was a mm-hmm. show about the Guinness Book of World Records, and people would try to sort of break records on the show, and like, yeah, they talk about all the old record-breaking people, like you know Robert Wadlow being the tallest man in the world and stuff like that. 
Um, but like he was a very talented um, trumpetist, uh, tap dancer. He like yeah he he was an all round entertainer. He was an old school all round entertainer. You know. Um, so they decided to bring him in as an avatar of two fisted science justice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I need that very, tattoo very right so. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fair to say that you know, this is the anti-Chesterton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roy Castle is playing everything that Ian Chesterton isn't. Yeah. <laughs> this motherfucker is going to pratfall himself off a pyramid. That's He's not going to be throwing yeah. no one off. <laughs> yeah. So let's just pause right here, if we can, okay? Sure. Because sure. we've got, like, if you know Doctor Who going into this, and I don't mean in 2023, I mean in 1965, right? Mm-hmm. You you know Doctor Who. you got to be going, what the? Like, you're excited for this. The Daleks in color. Doctor Who. Peter. Peter. Fucking Cushing, right? Right. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden, Barbara is now related to Susan and the Doctor, Ian's her boyfriend. They're not school teachers. He's Pratt falling. He's not Mr. Action Man. Not that he was told, but you know what I mean. Like, let, let's just really break this down because there's a lot going on here. Well, I get why they did this mm-hmm. because, like, yeah, it's a lot easier. Like, because the story requires all of them there. It's not like you can drop somebody out of it. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to go through the rigmarole of introducing the dynamic as it is in the TV show because that would take a lot of time and you, you know, this film clips along mm-hmm. yeah so and I think that yeah having having Susan and Barbara be sisters and Doctor Who is their grandfather fine mm-hmm. nice and quick I think yeah. it's also important to remember in 1965 that Doctor Who is not the draw here mm. Right. He is the vehicle by which we get to the Daleks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is the Dalek delivery service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I I can absolutely understand all the narrative choices they made. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for for a more fa- because this was intended to be sort of a family friendly film, they made Ian a bit more of a buffoon, mm-hmm. a bit more of a comedy figure. Because to be fair, like I mean, I don't. We know Ian in the show does a lot of, you know, rough and tumble fighty stuff, but he doesn't actually do too much of it in the Daleks, right? No, but compared to some other stories, so yeah, you can lose that aspect quite easily. I think like, of all, the, like, like obviously, you, know, you it like you couldn't adapt the Aztecs with this Ian, no. as, as previously discussed, right. <laughs> because a lot of the Aztecs depends on Ian being a badass. But um, but for the Daleks, I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, obviously, <laughs> how much you enjoy this version of Ian is yeah, a case of your mileage may vary. But I can see why they chose to do it. Like, it's funny too because again, I know we'll we'll probably get into this as we get through the movie. But the movie as a whole is generally less violent than the TV show is. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there, there, there was a lot of censorship things in Britain at the time. Right. Just like, yeah, that, that, like uh, at one point they were going, like they were originally the Dalek weapons were going to be sort of flamethrowers, yeah. but that was judged to be too scary, mm-hmm. so which is why they kind of basically fire CO two fire extinguishers instead. Right, which looks cool actually. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, it, I mean, it, it does, it does work, but it does mean that 
you know that the movie as a whole is a little more toothless than the show, which is really saying something. Yeah. Um, but also means that you're not even if he was going to be that kind of character, you don't need a, a, an Ian who is going to get into a lot of fights because there aren't a lot of fights to get into. Yeah, it's like, what, what do you do with him if he's not going to be the action guy? You know, yeah. like he needs to be there for bits of the plot, but what do you do with him if he's not the uh, the knowledgeable science teacher and kind of antagonist for the Doctor? Because the thing is, like, yeah, the, again, in the original Daleks, there's a lot of tension between the TARDIS crew because they're not really a crew at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only like their, like their second story. They're still, you know, they're still two people who've been kidnapped by somebody who they don't entirely trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they haven't had their and, uh, their big kind of come to Jesus moment yet. Yeah. 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 But yeah, for me, I I kind of appreciate the change because as much as I enjoy deeply enjoy the very first episode of an of an unearthly child, I get why you just can't lift that and drop that in here. It's slow. It's setting up so much. You know, it, it just takes a long time to get to the point. Because that's, you know, the cliffhanger is them zipping off back in time. This, you just say, they're a family. We get it. We can just go. They're, they're a family with a zany scientist as a patriarch. That's it. We can just accept that, you know. So, and two- I was... Sorry, mm-hmm. I, sorry to interrupt, Mike, but oh. it's like, by this point in 1965, we're used to a doctor who we're, like, we're at home with a doctor who is kind of sitting, reading comics, mm-hmm. while everybody else is, you know, getting their, getting their studying done. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, originally, like, Unearthly Child Doctor was a kidnapper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, we don't want to necessarily, like, we are at this point, like, we, the audience, are used to a doctor who is, you know, a little more whimsical than the human trafficker that we had at the beginning (laughs) of the TV show. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, that's a, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because, like, yeah, the the doctor in the original Daleks is much more untrustworthy, I mean, like, the the way the, I mean, again, we'll get to it, but the way the fluid link moment is played in this compared to mm-hmm. the original story is very different. It's a lot less sinister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas, uh, yeah, so, again, for that family audience, they've, they've got to go on for making the Doctor much more avuncular, much more, you know, sort of like, like not nice, baffled professor rather than the, again, the initially sort of slightly, um, more sinister version that William Hartnell played. I just want to say one other thing. I think my only... I don't want to say complaint. That is such a harsh word from what I'm about to say. With the change to making Barbara and Susan sisters, is I never felt any sort of dynamic between them. No. Sisterly no. or otherwise. So, like, if if we could armchair edit this, you know, all these years later, I would just give them a little more to do together to make them feel like they're actually related. Because it's... And I don't think it's because we're familiar with the TV show then and now, but it's easy to forget that's the relationship. So you can start seeing Barbara as just, you can kind of forget and go, is she the school teacher? Is she a cousin? Is she the nanny? Like, what is she? You know what I mean? And I kind of had to work to remember that, oh no, the, three of these people are blood relatives, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So. That, well, as, basically, as soon as they can, they are split up into, so you've got yeah. the Doctor and Susan as the kind of, old professor with the little girl and then you've got Ian and Barbara is you know, the couple in distress 
So kind of like it's just a way to get Barbara into the story, really. You yeah. Know? Like once she once she is like her and Ian are uh, are off together. Speaking of which, so um, <laughs> Ian meets um, Doctor Who. Like he actually addresses him as Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the Doctor thinks um, Ian's brought bought him chocolates, which were actually intended for Barbara. There's a there's a, some comedy business of Ian sitting on the chocolates. Oh, I want to then... jump in real quick. I could actually buy that chocolate moment, not the sitting on it, as a as a. Like something the second Doctor would have done. Yeah. You totally would misunderstand someone giving a, a woman chocolates and handing it to him first. And he's like, oh, chocolates. And it's like, no, that's that's for her, dude. That's totally a proper <laughs> thing, I think. I don't know. Yeah, no, I could absolutely say that. Uh, so after accidentally sitting on the chocolates, he's about to sit on a piece of scientific equipment, which uh, the Doctor hastily stops him from doing. And he says it's the, uh, the last bit of his new invention. And uh, he, he offers to show it to Ian so they take him out to the back garden where there's a police box which they explain is called TARDIS <laughs> for some reason the script of this drops the definite article from the front of it that's jarring <laughs> it's, it's weird to say that but it's really jarring for it to constantly we have to get back to TARDIS no there's a the just put a the there. Help me out, guys. Come on. And it's like, <laughs> you can't really tell from the movie, like like watching the movie, but like when you read about this movie, you know, TARDIS isn't an acronym. It's a word where, yeah. you know, the capital T, all lowercase everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, again, one of those little things where it's like accurate to the, to the thing, but I watched Strange New Worlds, and it's so hard to see. We've yeah. got to get back to Enterprise. Which, yeah, that's how they referred to it originally, you know? Uh-huh. But it's still so weird not to use the definite article when right. they're talking about the ship. Yeah. So, uh, Ian opens up the doors of the TARDIS. Sees... Not, not. We just had a discussion about this, Dave. No, no, no yeah. I, I, I'm calling it the TARDIS. Oh, Deal okay. with it. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to keep that no, all yeah. the way through this. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so he, op- he opens the TARDIS doors and does the tradi- that now traditional boggled look, walk around the outside, walk back in again thing. And then Susan gives the kind of scientific explanation of you know, why it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. The Doctor fits the final component and explains that it's a time and space machine that can you know, disappear from one place and reappear anywhere in time and space. Uh, Barbara comes into the TARDIS, assuming that you know, the, the Doctor's <laughs> going to be taking a chance to show Ian his new toy. And so they're all sort of talking, and then uh, Barbara goes to kiss Ian, and Ian pratfalls backwards onto the um, lever that launches the TARDIS. And, yeah, and they're off. Okay, let's let's stop here. I know, I'm sorry. I keep That's me, I do this. No, I, I, I figured you probably <laughs> want to talk about the TARDIS interior at this point. Yes, but also... I love the fact that in the original, Ian, whatever, remember my headcanon is when he pressed that button or whatever, he's the one that broke the chameleon circuit. That was always my headcanon. Mm-hmm. But yeah. th- so whether that's happened or true or not, that doesn't matter. But Ian did a little something weird with the TARDIS in the original. And here he's the one that accidentally hits the big giant red fucking lever in the center <laughs> of the room that you should clearly stay away from. So I kind of like that little bit of continuity. But yes, let's talk about the interior of this 
of this TARDIS here. What's uh, what you thinking, Dan? Hey, where did they not spend the budget? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my it's God. Like, it's such a shame, too, after having just seen the new magical interior of the yeah. 60th anniversary TARDIS. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this. It's this a black box curtain. I know. It's it's super cheap. Again, it's not why we're here. This is just the thing that gets right. us to where we want to go. But I and I understand that. I do. I get it. That's not the draw here. Right. But it's 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 a shame that it looks as tatty as it does. Now, I'm I'm sitting here joking about it though, but there's a part of me that does actually unironically like it because okay. I could imagine like if the third doctor could have ever if if the Time Lords hadn't unlocked the third doctor's TARDIS Mm-hmm. I could have seen him making it look like this just to get it working again in some capacity. Sure. Again, headcanon, but but yeah, like you go in and you expect this big moment. And it's like, the fuck is this? It's a yeah. shed with wires on the wall. And yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something charming about it. I will admit that it it does um, look like something that 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 you know a crazy professor just kind of knocked together in his backyard. It does. Yeah. What about you, Dave? I would obviously part of the problem is that the interior of the TARDIS from the from the TV show is so it's such an iconic piece of design, mm-hmm. especially that original sixties yeah, TARDIS. Yeah. That anything that isn't that is going to be a letdown. Mm-hmm. And I guess they thought because, like like Dan says, like like for the TV show, the TARDIS set is the main yeah, is the place you're going to be. Like, like they have to get this out every story mm-hmm. or. Yeah, not every episode, but certainly every story. They need to get this out. It needs to be in good shape. But for the film, it's just sort of like it just needs to be there for a couple of scenes. So why kind of go too crazy? It could look worse, mm. you know. Yeah. But but yeah, so the great big pilot's lever that makes the thing go. There's lots of kind of you know flashing lights and <laughs> wires and stuff. <laughs> like it's fine. Like obviously, it's not the TARDIS, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it like it does the job, and it's it's overall screen time for the interior has got to be what like five minutes over the course of the whole film, if that. Yeah, so I, I, can, I can see why they yeah they didn't feel the need to go particularly hog wild on, on what they were doing with it. Mm. So uh, the Doctor says that. Uh, he hadn't had a chance to set the controls or anything, so they have abs- he has absolutely no idea where they're going, and he's quite excited by this prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ian doesn't believe that they've moved at all, but opens the door and sees that they have, so they all kind of go outside to have an explore into a, a pretty impressive uh, petrified forest set mm-hmm. with, I think it's a bit of an added map painting in the background as well. It's all, it's all kind of shot from quite high down. I mean, and it, It's like, it's this first shot makes you feel that, yeah, okay, this is something that's operating on a scale and a budget that the TV show couldn't at the time. Yeah. So they're walking around the petrified forest. Um, Ian just wants to go home immediately. <laughs> uh, but the Doctor and Susan both want to investigate. And uh, so they all kind of like uh, have a look around. They find like a little petrified flower, which... Uh, Susan shows to Ian, but then Barbara screams and, and Ian, panicking, immediately destroys the flower, much to Susan's annoyance. Uh, they find a petrified animal. Well, they, they, well they, they only know for sure it's petrified after Ian Pratt falls into it and destroys it. <laughs> um, 
yeah, so they kind of established that, uh, yeah, something terrible must have happened here to cause all of this damage. Uh, Susan then sees the city off in the distance, and the Doctor and Susan immediately want to go off to investigate, but Barbara also has like a bit of a nasty feeling about the place and her and Ian vote for going home. So the Doctor goes, oh yes, we'll, we'll go home, but does a big kind of um, show, like proper theatrical wink at um, Susan. So like, oh yeah, 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 we'll definitely be going home. <laughs> uh, Susan finds another flower that was similar to the one that um, Ian ends up breaking, so she goes to pick it. But uh, then something kind of touches her on the shoulder, so she runs away and runs into Ian and <laughs> nearly kicks his ass. She's proper <laughs> flailing around and hitting him. So they go back into the TARDIS. Uh, they hear a knock on the door, but they, so they have a look around by the scanner but can't see anything. They try to uh, take off, but um, nothing happens. And so the Doctor goes, oh no, the fluid link. <laughs> <laughs> And so, as is well established in the way in the way of this story, they go well. You know, we, although it's sold a bit better here because uh, it's made, it, he plays it much more absent-mindedly. So, like, oh yes, I've got some more Mercury. It's in my workshop, which isn't here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor resolves that they need to go into the city to see if they've got any mercury. Uh, they climb up to the city. Uh, the doctor is starting to feel a bit tired and worn out, and the others, the others are starting to feel a little under the weather as well. So uh, the doctor suggests they all split up to have a look around the city and try to find some sort of laboratory which might have mercury in it. So the doctor and Susan go through one door, Barbara goes through another, while Ian attempts to go through a third. But there is a a degree of comedy slapstick business of Ian not <laughs> basically. He, he he's sitting on something which appears to work the door, and every time he gets up to walk to the door, the door closes again. Okay, with as with all the comedy that implies, this is where I got on board with this Ian. Not that I was <laughs> not on board with him, but you know the whole this is Chesterton thing that I of course got going in my brain. This moment right here, because any motherfucker who's ever played a video game. Mm-hmm. knows what this Ian is like suffering right now as he's trying to figure out how to open this damn door yeah. by this press down <laughs> chair lever thing or whatever it is. Yeah. Like, I was like, I feel you, Ian. I feel you. We, we, I got your back. <laughs> I, like, it's okay as a comedy bit. I think it just goes on a bit bit too long. Sure, yeah. Well, yeah, there's a bit too much time spent on it. Mm. So, yeah, the, the Doctor and Susan eventually return and find him prattling about as it says in my notes um, uh, Barbara is uh, kind of trapped between doors much like she is in the original show although we don't get the iconic sucker stick shot mm. which, I, which mm. I, I, I feel was kind of like a missed opportunity yeah I was waiting for it big time Yeah, because everything else is set up for it mm. like it's, it's the same thing of the doors closing around her and she's kind of trapped in yeah, that one place but she does scream, so the others go um, running around trying to find her. They eventually get through Ian's door through a combination of Susan sitting on the switch and the other two holding the door open, <laughs> and then her running through. So they're walking around the city, 
they come across a big, quite impressive control room. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good set with the, the big revolving thing on the side wall with different consoles and stuff on it. Uh, the Doctor finds a guy counter and says that the radiation levels are really high, which explains how they're um, why they're feeling unwell. Uh, Ian says they're trapped there anyway with that uh, because the fluid link doesn't work. But then the Doctor kind of puts his hand up and goes, "Actually, no, I I just lied about that because I wanted to have a poke around the city." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the three of them are cornered by Daleks. <laughs> Technicolor Daleks. <laughs> I thought this shot looked really cool. Yeah. Um, the camera placement, where it's kind of above everything, looked really nice. Um, the Daleks themselves look great, and even, like, the music just sold it to me. So, I was really happy with that shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, just to say for people who may not have seen this, these are kind of new Daleks they built for the film, and they are much taller. Mm-hmm. They're much bigger. Uh, they're, they're probably taller than everybody. So most of the kind of original Daleks were kind of, you know, probably maybe about eye height, maybe maybe less in some cases, depending on the height of the actor. Mm-hmm. Whereas these are much, much bigger. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're probably closer to the new Paradigm Daleks mm-hmm. in terms of size. The Skittles Daleks? Yeah. yeah. So uh, Ian tries to run, but gets um, zapped with the CO2 guns. Again, he's, like, his legs don't work. Well, he makes much less of a fuss about it than he ingested it in the show does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Daleks confiscate the fluid link from the Doctor and they're taken uh, to a cell which Barbara is already in. Uh, Doctor, The Doctor breaks the news to all of them that they have radiation sickness and the Daleks also discuss the fact that... Um, the visitors have radiation sickness, but they want to um, find out if they have some sort of cure for it so they can leave the city and kill everything. <laughs> so they're, uh, the Daleks are watching the prisoners in the cell via a camera. And the Doctor remembers that there was a box left for them, which I, I apologies, I managed to completely skip past. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they'd been left some drugs that the uh, the doctor was going to analyse so the Daleks see this and tells that one of them needs to leave in order to go back and get the drugs uh, <laughs> Susan seeing the state of the rest of them goes well I guess I'm going then <laughs> well and I, I actually dig this Susan a lot I gotta say this mm-hmm. right here yeah. because nothing nothing against um, oh, what the, blah, 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 blah. Carolyn Ford Carolyn Ford thank you Nothing against her. It's the way the character was written, right? Yeah. And what yeah. the show envisioned that type of character to be in that era. But this Susan, or Susie, <laughs> she's referred to at times, she's just she just looks around and like, just gets up and does what needs to get done. Yeah. You know, she's actively, at times, the smartest person in the room, even if they're not completely demonstrating it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And she's just like, okay, I'm 10, whatever, but this has got to get done, so I'm fucking doing it. Like, yeah. I really, like, if anything, I kind of, again, nothing against Ford, I kind of want to see the original Doctor Who with this Susan in place. Yeah. You know, yeah, she that is, would be she is so fearless. different. Yes, yeah. Yeah. She is awesome. Yeah. And the thing is, like, she's not totally fearless, because when we see her in the woods, you can see she's kind of scared, sure. but she plays it really well. And she just, But she does just step up, and, like, this scene compared to the version that's in the original, where Susan just immediately has a 
panic attack about being on her own. Yeah. And again, it's the way Susan's written. That, like, like Caroline Ford performs what she is given yes. perfectly well, yeah. but she, yeah, it, it, it's just not written. That moment is particularly written great, I don't think. Yeah. Whereas in this, I mean, I guess part of it is a pragmatic thing just to get the plot rattling along, but it also just makes this Susan feel a lot. <laughs> it weirdly gives her way more agency and and um, courage than the TV version. Yeah. Like she's got that 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 in it innate um just 12 year old i you know i don't i'm going to do this because i don't know i can't mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. she's like that the whole that whole that whole chicken hawk thing going on right. you know? <laughs> where where you know she's just gonna she's just rolling up her sleeves and getting on with it whereas a slightly older susan from the tv show is afraid of everything mm. You know, does the things that needs to be done, but not without like screaming and crying a lot. So off goes Susan into. There is that really beautiful shot of Susan just left on her own, walking down the cliff face with the lightning going mm. off, yeah. and the way they shoot it from up above just kind of gives that you know, this little girl such a sense of isolation. I really love that shot. Yeah. I made, I'm like I made a, I made a point of writing that bit down and just sort of saying that. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really well shot that bit. Mm-hmm. Like if Susan's supposed to be the audience identif- like identification character, they do it much better in this movie than they did in the TV yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Susan makes her way back through the jungle. She's kind of conscious she's being followed by somebody, and at one point, I think they, they get closer. She kind of like throws a load of dirt at them and keeps going. Uh, eventually, gets back to the TARDIS. Um. So she gets to the drugs. Uh, the doors to the TARDIS um, open up, and she is greeted by David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as it turns out, his name's Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> he does look a bit Ziggy Stardust here. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Aladdin says he, he came back to make sure they knew how to use the drugs that he left for them. Uh, Susan explains they've been captured by the Daleks and that they've said that um, the Thals are all mutants. Uh, Aladdin sort of goes, right, so do you think they want the drugs for you or do you think they want them for themselves? Actually, yeah. I I, I think they're probably going to screw us over. (laughs) So Aladdin gives her a second set. So they, um, they go, she goes back to the city, the Daleks scan her and they they do find a set of, second set of drugs, but they go, you know what? Take them to your friends. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> so Susan delivers the drugs. Uh, they all take them and feel better. And then Susan tells them all about Aladdin and the rest of the Thals and that they've come. They've uh, they've travelled from their kind of uh, from the places where they usually live because um, they've been dependent on regular rainfall that's no longer happened. So they're hoping to try and trade with the Daleks in order to um, get food and supplies. Uh, the Daleks are listening to this and to come up with a plan to lure the fowls in and kill them. Saying, oh, we'll, we'll write them a letter and say this. Um, and say, yes, yes, we, yes, of course we want peace. We're happy to help. So, they do, so basically they put Susan to work writing a letter and this always makes me laugh in the TV series as well. Like, like Susan's a secretary for the Daleks. Yeah. 
<laughs> Take a letter. <laughs> Dear sir. <laughs> and I love the, uh, the the space pen that Susan's given yeah. to write this with. <laughs> just got like a, because it's a Dalek pen. Like, firstly, why do the Daleks even have pens in the first place? Right. And to, but yeah, but to make it Dalek-y, they've just put a massive ball on the end of it. <laughs> which I can only assume makes it a massive pen to write with. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, they, they dictate this terribly friendly letter. And then once he's finished it, they immediately go, ha ha, we are going to use this letter to kill the fouls. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> uh, while they're um, writing the letter, like uh, <laughs> the, the doctor's uh, worked out that it, they must be being watched and has uh, located the, um, the security camera. So Susan goes back to the cell and uses the uh, climbs up on Ian's shoulders and uses the space pen to, to sabotage the camera, <laughs> which again way more proactive than, yeah. <laughs> than the TV show Susan. <laughs> and then we get like a little scene of two Daleks just discussing you know, like that the camera's been disabled and like is that a problem? No, that's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well if that's a problem why do we have it Steve <laughs> so um, the fowls have gathered together not far from the city and one of them has somehow found the letter mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously they, they very credulously fall for this because you know they're, they're terribly nice and trusting Uh Meanwhile, back in the cell, the doctors worked out how the Daleks getting their power from the floor, and it's like that they're using static electricity, and they use the um, like in the TV show, they use the analogy of the dodgems mm-hmm. to explain it. So they come up with their escape plan, uh, which is insulating the floor with the cloak that Aladdin gave Susan, and uh, then blinding the Dalek. Which uh, this is interesting. A, a mild difference, which uh, is much more expedient. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the TV version, they make um, Barbara get some water and get some dried mud off Susan's shoes, mm-hmm. and then makes wet mud to throw in the Dalek's eye. Whereas in this, you know, every time they're given food, it's just kind of paste. Yeah. And so Barbara just grabs a handful of the paste goo that they've been given to eat, which is <laughs> actually much simpler. Yeah. So, the next time the Dalek goes to give them some food, Ian sticks his lighter underneath the door to make it malfunction. The Dalek comes in. Uh, Barbara lobs the goo at its eyeball. They drag it over to the cloak and manage to kill it. Uh, Ian and the Doctor kind of open it up and scoop out the um, the music creature that's inside and replace it with Ian. And then they go off, uh, getting Susan to lead the way because she's the only one who's actually like, gone from the cell to the outside of the city. Uh, one second here. I was shocked they actually showed the mutant hand, mm-hmm. we'll say. I didn't think they'd yeah. actually show it because the way they quickly wrap it up in the cloak and all this and that and set it aside. And I was fine with that. 
because in the original, I think we do see a little bit of it too. I think we might see a tentacle. Dan, yeah, do you remember, a little bit. Dave? Yeah, a little, a little bit of like a tentacle claw thing. Yeah, I think I think it's the cliffhanger for that episode. Yeah, so he's, he's seeing the kind of claw come out. Yeah, so for this one, which is a little more family friendly, maybe I don't know. I just, I just really didn't think they'd do it. I'm like, this is a perfectly acceptable way to say there's something weird and scary in there. Because Susan comes over to kind of see what's going on, and her, you know, the the doctor like shoves her away, you know, and is like, no, no, yeah. no, go over there with Barbara, and then they take care of it. So I, I like I said, it was just a pleasant little surprise, you know. Yeah. yeah. But again, having kind of recently seen both, it's sort of interesting to see how it's played in that. In the original version, the Doctor and Ian see what's inside the Dalek. Mm. They both kind of look at each other and then ask Susan and Barbara to go guard the door mm. as a way of like, making sure they don't see what's in right. it. Whereas in the film version, the Doctor tells Susan and Barbara to go stand watch before they open it up. Mm. So he's actually, in a way, he's, yeah, he's actually giving them a proper job to do rather than it being a way of making sure they don't see the hideousness of the inside of the Dalek. Yeah. Although they do, even though they kind of turn Susan away a bit later, it's. Uh, I'm not saying one is better than the, than the other. It's just kind of interesting to see this slight total variation in the same scene. Yeah. yeah. So, as they are making their escape, they're kind of sort of dragging Dalek Ian along. And they, uh, they bluff their way past one of the Dalek guards. Susan manages to pull off a distraction when the Dalek starts asking too many questions. So it's more focused on stopping her escape than paying attention to the fact that the Ian Dalek doesn't seem to be doing all that much. <laughs> and the prisoners seem to be doing more pushing of it than it of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they bluff their way through the doors and then... It, in one of his more dynamic moments, Peter Cushing sort of elbows the control panel and just sort of smashes the door from the, well, you know, the, from their side so the Dalek can't reopen it again. Yeah. Uh, so they're trying to get um, Ian out of the Dalek now. They're kind of passed through. Meanwhile, the Dalek reports, that they, oh, I've let the prisoners through. And the Daleks are like, well, why have you done that? You're not supposed to do that. And then the alarm goes off. <laughs> uh, some Daleks show up to kind of cut their way through the door. The others are trying to kind of get Ian out of the Dalek, but Ian says, look, just go without me. There's no point in all of us being captured. You just go and I'll try and follow you. Uh, the Daleks break through the door and destroy the Ian Dalek, but luckily it turns out Ian has off-screen got out of the Dalek and made his way up the lift. Uh, meanwhile, outside, the Thals are slowly approaching the city uh, because they're... Um, accepting the invitation uh, one of the Daleks is trying to um, follow the TARDIS crew up in the lift but they, I can't remember if they do this in the TV version or not but there's a, basically they get like a great big console and throw it down the lift shaft like John McClane yeah. I feel like it was the in the original mm-hmm. it may well be I honestly can't remember but yeah, <laughs> so, yeah they take care of the lift and then uh, they decide to get. They, they need to go and warn the Thals that they're walking into a trap. Uh, the Thals kind of turn up in the city. There's a, like a nice kind of shot of all the Daleks kind of like uh, hiding, sort of gliding through the city and hiding and waiting for the Thals, mm. which is all kind of nicely shot. And uh, the score is quite good there as well, I think. 
So the, sort of the fouls generally come into the city. One of them steps forward, uh, moving towards the supplies. But the doctor sort of warns them at the last minute that it's, that it's a trap. That foul is killed, but the rest of them manage to scatter and escape the city. And the, the TARDIS crew kind of go with them. Once they're safely away from the city, uh, the Thals want to try and reason with the Daleks. And <laughs> surely this whole thing's a misunderstanding. Yeah. And the Doctor says, no, it really isn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so do you want me to stop there? So was with, like, that's kind of like the end of that kind of bit of the story in terms of... Because we kind of like uh, take a bit of a slower moment here, don't we? Once they get into, get into the fouls. If there's anything you wanted to cover at this point? No, I'm cool. Yeah, I don't know that no, there's really. Well, yeah, there's not much. Honestly, it hasn't been that much to comment on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the doctor says that it's impossible to reason with the Daleks. So the Thals will need to kind of fight back, but Alan says that they won't because of their history of war has kind of led them to the terrible state of affairs they're in now. So the crew says, uh, oh well, best of luck to you, and go back to the TARDIS. <laughs> they try to take off, and then they suddenly remember that the Daleks have still got the fluid link. So they go, oh right, well, it looks like we'll have to talk the thousand to help us. <laughs> so the Doctor's talking to Aladdin and asking for help. But, um, uh, yeah, Aladdin refuses. He says, like, he doesn't want his people to be killed, and they don't they don't want to kill anything else. Meanwhile, the Daleks are uh, testing out the Thal's anti-radiation drugs, and, and the test and the test group are tripping balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not having a good time. <laughs> Need to drink more water and get into get into a cool space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a Dalek chucking a white. Yeah. Uh, so the, so the, the Daleks go, oh, right, well, if we can't cure the radiation, we'll give you more radiation. Yeah. <laughs> All the radiation. <laughs> so they, they're planning to um, detonate another neutron bomb, which they're pretty sure they will survive, but um, it'll make it so radioactive that even the Thal's drugs won't be able to protect them. Back at the Thal camp, the Doctor's reading the Thal's history and tries to use that as a reason that the need to defend themselves because they won't have any more history. Yeah, there'll be nobody left to remember it if the Daleks get loose. Aladdin again refuses, but notices that uh, he's showing some affection to a to a female fowl. So the Doctor says that, oh, well, in that case, maybe we'll trade one of you to the Daleks to get our part back. And again, he gives Ian a theatrical wink <laughs> to say, sort of like, no, no, I'm not actually doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> Ian grabs the uh, the woman by the arm Aladdin uh, punches Ian clean to the ground much to the delight of the watching audience <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor goes aha so you will fight for something so immediately they start talking about battle plans it <laughs> immediately cuts from that moment to we're looking at a map and we're now planning strategy to to attack yeah. Um, so yeah, they they make the plan that there'll be two groups. There'll, there'll be a main group that approaches the front of the Dalek city, 
and a smaller group, which for some reason Aladdin decides Ian should be in charge of, are going to be making their way <laughs> through the swamps. Like again, in the in the original show, it makes a lot more sense for Ian to be in charge of that group. But yeah. this, this time around, like, like even even Ian is like, "You what? <laughs> <laughs> Me?" <laughs> So, um, Ian and Barbara's group, who I shall refer to as uh, Ian, Barbara, Brave Fowl, Timid Fowl, and Redshirt Fowl, <laughs> start to make their way through the swamp. Uh, the Daleks uh, are detecting the fowl's movements and are preparing for an attack. So, they, um, the smaller party uh, stopping by a group of water pools um, Ian goes to wash his face and says he sees something nasty in the water which makes him panic um, so they all kind of like take a moment to rest and then Redshirt Fowl says I'm just going to refill these water canteens in the place where we just saw a monster you guys carry on I'm sure I'll be fine <laughs> then uh, Timid Fowl gets his foot stuck in quicksand for like 30 seconds and like to the point where I don't even know why it was there <laughs> like, it's like oh no oh I've fixed it <laughs> so that was sort of five seconds of jeopardy yeah <laughs> and then they hear the, uh, the scream and sure enough Redshirt Fowl has been uh, taken away by something nasty Goodbye, Redshirt Fowl, we hardly right. When we were watching it, um, oh no, it was later. It was later. Never mind. I will. I will save it for. <laughs> okay. Uh, the other, the other Fowl. <laughs> <laughs> so the Doctor and Aladdin are planning their approach to the city. Um, meanwhile, the smaller party. Uh, one of the things they spotted when they were at the area where the water was is that there's pipes and they d deduce that this must be where the Daleks get their water supply from. So they follow the pipes on the uh, logic that it will lead to the Dalek city. Uh, they find that there's uh, the pipes lead up a, a mountain. So they, they start to climb the mountain. Again, much to Ian's chagrin. He's, he's, not, he's not into that idea at all. They, and again, there's a very beautiful map painting at this moment. So they're, they're climbing up the kind of mountain set, but there's this great big kind of map painting showing kind of the landscape of Skara, which looks pretty good. Mm -hmm. Again, in that kind of like 1950s kind of Forbidden Planet B-movie kind of way. So they're climbing a mountain which it doesn't look anywhere near as difficult as they're making it look. <laughs> <laughs> they're making a meal out of it. It's, it's like watching somebody in a ladder match. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, they're literally, like, a metre from the top after this great big climb. And, and Barbara's just like, no, I can't do it. It's like, you're literally near... Come on, Barbara, pull it together, <laughs> love. Please. You you're doing really well. <laughs> but what, why are you noping out at the, when you're this... Like, you can see the top. Like, if this was kind of lower down the mountain, I could understand the jeopardy of it. But when she's so near the top, it just makes her look silly. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, the brave Thal goes down and helps her back up again. Meanwhile, the Daleks are having a meeting where the Black Dalek essentially recounts their plan <laughs> that they've been talking about for the last five minutes. I think this scene mainly exists to show just how many Dalek props they have. Yeah. 
because there's a lot of working Dalek props mm-hmm. in this. There's hardly any cardboard cutouts mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so, so the Black Dalek says, we're going to detonate a neutron bomb, and we're going to be brilliant, and the files are going to suck. <laughs> and all the darts are going, yay! Yay, Daleks! Daleks rule! Fouls drool. <laughs> so, uh, Ian and Barbara and the two remaining Fowls enter a cave system. Uh, the timid Fowl starts to kind of properly lose his nerves and his brother punches him. <laughs> <laughs> Pull yourself together! Because that's, you know, back in the 60s, that's the way you would, you, you don't with somebody having a panic attack. You just kind of <laughs> slap or punch them because they're getting hysterical. <laughs> And then uh, while they're struggling, there's a cave-in, so the uh, the decision about whether or not to go back becomes moot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doctor sees a Thal using a mirror and uh, suddenly has an idea that yeah, maybe they could use mirrors to disrupt the Dalek observation devices. So he gets Aladdin to uh, collect all the mirrors, which it turns out they have quite a lot of. We don't have any food or supplies, but my God, we've got a lot of mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably hoping to trade them with the Daleks. Mirrors? <laughs> um, so, yeah, Ian nearly um, pratfalls down a ravine. And so they they do the, they do the whole bit of uh, jumping over it with a sort of safety line. Which again is a moment that's greatly drawn out in the TV show for drama and, and runtime. That was like like two full episodes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's one thing. The, that's one thing. The BBC um, um, edited down version <laughs> rattles through a lot. Yeah. They condense that to about like ten minutes. Yeah, that's like an insane amount of time spent. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, so the kind of the brave foul goes first. Ian has a, a bit of comedy business of him kind of like doing a run up, stopping, and then taking it on the run up. Then Barbara comes across, and then finally, timid foul is is thrown the rope, but doesn't pick it up. So he gets thrown it again, puts it around himself, does the jump, and makes a right old hash of it, and falls, and nearly takes Ian with him because Ian's tied to the other end of the safety line. But Timid Fowl takes out a rope and cuts the rope and does not fall to his death, unlike he does in the TV show. He actually kind of lands on, a, on an outcrop and they manage to get him back. Yeah. Uh, the Fowls are approaching the outside of the city with their mirrors and start messing with the Dalek observation devices. Uh, the Daleks notice this and go, well, we're not having that. So it turns out there's a big bit of the, um, the hill up to the city that opens up with massive lights behind it. I don't know what purpose it serves, but it it definitely frustrates their approach and then the Daleks manage to capture the Doctor and Susan. Um, Aladdin uh, goes back to the rest of the Thals and goes, like, we're driven back, but you know what? I've got this stick now. <laughs> so we're going to fight them. Uh, in the Dalek control room, the Doctor's trying to con- uh, convince the Daleks to spare the Thals and offers the secrets of the TARDIS to the Daleks. The Daleks are like, oh, you've got a time machine, have you? Where is it? In the forest. Oh, right, well, I guess we'll just detonate the bomb and we'll go look at it later. So that kind of doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, Ian and Barbara's group have now got, in, got into the city. More alarms are going off. Uh, <laughs> at one point, they're getting chased by a Dalek and, and Brave Thal in a 
moment of strategic genius throws a rope at it. <laughs> just throws throws his coil of rope at the Dalek. And the Dalek is even just yeah. like, dude, what? <laughs> like, really? Really? <laughs> so uh, they get into a lift. And <laughs> the Dalek starts sounding like someone's mother. It's like, come back down here at once. <laughs> Don't you get in that lift? Don't you go up in that lift? <laughs> and and there is quite an impressive bit where the Dalek fires at the underside of the lift and there's a big sort of explosion of the floor. So uh, they're getting chased on the next level and uh, they're about to get uh, cornered but then the, the other fowls kind of like uh, throw a rope over the Dalek and manage to sort of yeet it down an elevator shaft. There's a lot of tossing of Daleks down lift shafts in this. It's like the, the, the main attack strategy against Daleks. I mean, it works. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Ian and Aladdin kind of like uh, sneak around the corner to, of the control room just to establish where everybody is. And they notice a couple of Daleks coming. So they hide either side of a doorway and kind of make them turn and face each other as they fire their guns. So they destroy each other. And they suddenly go, aha, a weapon to use against the Daleks. Trigger happy clumsiness. <laughs> so a battle ensues, which mostly involves um, fowls pushing Daleks into corners yeah. and kind of just spinning Daleks around to face one another as they're firing. I feel sorry for the one Dalek who's just like, has no idea what's going on in the control room. The door opens. He just comes trundling in and immediately gets shot in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so... Hey guys, I've come back to the coffee. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the doctor tells Ian that he needs to stop the countdown because otherwise the bomb's going to go off. So Ian, quite cleverly for Ian in this film, uh, calls to the Daleks who all turn around and shoot at him, and he ducks, and the resulting gunfire destroys the console, which shuts the wall down. I really dug that moment. Because, like, we yeah. go from Ian, who can't lean on a door the first time mm-hmm. we see him without getting, like, without blundering in and sitting on the chocolates and triggering all this to happen to being like, shit, okay, I gotta risk everything to save everything. That was, yeah. that was a really cool kind of moment for that, for that specific, for any character, but that specific version of Ian. Yeah. And to be fair, the plan is, does rely on Ian's ability to fall over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> yeah, you're the guy. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to showcase my... I'm going to turn my pratfall into good. <laughs> so, yes, the Daleks are shut down. Uh, the Thals uh, leave the city. Uh, the fluid link is replaced in the TARDIS and they say goodbye to the Thals who each give them cloaks as gifts. They go back into the TARDIS and set the controls for the return. Uh, the TARDIS leaves. Ian opens the door to stock footage of Roman soldiers. Like, he's not even in the right position for... Like, it's, it's just weird. And, like, the film ends with Ian having a comedy meltdown and trying to make the TARDIS work again and flicking all the controls and generally being upset. And that is Doctor Who and the Daleks. <laughs> well, thank you, Dave, for Thanks, uh, Dave. running us through that. Let's, we'll give you a break. And Dan, I'll go to you. Uh, what yeah. are you thinking of Doctor Who and the Daleks? Doctor Who and the Daleks is fun. Um, uh-huh. 
it's not fantastic. I will I will say that I don't know what you know, we have no no plans in, at the moment but um, when I watched this I, and I watched 2150 AD immediately after and that is demonstrably the better movie for oh, yeah. many many Quite reasons um, Daleks 2150 is a much much better movie than this one but this is fun um, I feel like it is a very faithful adaptation of a story that's fine um, you know I think that for all of the it's the first appearance of the Daleks that actual serial is not super exciting mm-hmm. and this movie does a perfectly serviceable job of taking a two and a half hour story and turning it into a 75 minute one you know mm-hmm. um it's fine. Peter Cushing is... I mean, it, it's its a little remarkable how little the words Doctor Who actually came out of Dave's mouth as he was talking about the plot of this right. movie. Because he's not really doing very much in this movie, but Peter Cushing is delightful in this. Mm-hmm. He's, he's wonderful. He's, he's doing a great... I mean, he's Peter Cushing. Mm-hmm. And he's getting to do something that he never gets to do. Right? Mm-hmm. So... He's being very warm and very kind of like doddery. Yeah. Like he even does the thing of what forgetting Ian's name. Yeah, yeah. At the start <laughs> of, of, of getting Ian's name wrong. So yeah, this movie is is it's fun, um, but it's not it, it's not appointment viewing. Mm-hmm. The second movie really is much much better. Mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, we didn't really say much about Cushing as as the doctor, and you know, I'm glad you kind of opened that door there because it's one of those things where it's like I I have a feeling after I watch the next movie, whenever I do that, mm-hmm. and as you said, no plans, so don't anybody expect anything. Um, yeah. like I think he's going to grow on me a little more. Not that it was anything against him here. It's just sometimes there's a learning curve with the doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. And especially yeah. so with this case where you're dropping all these actors into characters, though different, that we already know. So I'm trying to envision him as Hartnell, specifically in this era. And that's on me being like, no, dude, you can't do that. This is a different guy, different show, different everything. And I did like him a lot. Yeah. Like he's mm-hmm. tender, which is something you would get with the doctor, that version of the doctor later on. But it took a while for him to get there. But he's yeah. absolutely tender at points. He's not malicious, um, as we said, like with the fluid link. Um, no, I, I really did deeply enjoy his performance. And I'm not that familiar with Peter Cushing. I just mm-hmm. have to admit that. you know. So I didn't go in with any sort of preconceived notions about him. Um, but yeah, I came out really digging him. And as for this, it's I don't want to sound unkind to the Daleks. Because again, it's not, as you said, it's not like the best Dalek story ever. This is kind of a really good Cliff Notes version of it yeah if that and that sounds a little harsh that sounds much harsher than i mean it to be but it's like yeah if you want to watch the original dalek story and you can't get your hands on the daleks in color or whatever it's called watch this is it the same characters no but so what you know the daleks look really good the and that's the reason you're here as as y'all said like the poster was the daleks that's why you were here right yeah the, the, when the Daleks showed up, I am no, no, not joking. I legit paused it and like actually like kind of looked at them. I'm like, 
this is good. This is what mm-hmm. we're here for. This is where the money was spent, not the interior of the TARDIS. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were intimidating. I didn't mind the change to their gun to the from the laser to the fire extinguisher or whatever. You know, like every like they were they were deeply impressive. They really were. That you know? shot of them firing their foam through the floor of the elevator mm-hmm. car looks really cool. Yeah. Um, and the movie as a whole makes great use of the widescreen. Yes. Yeah. Ratio that it's you know, like it really knows how to fill up the um the you know, the big screen with mm-hmm. Daleks doing Dalekie things. Mm-hmm. You know, um, honestly, the human cast is mostly forgettable. Yeah. But that's okay because the Daleks are awesome. <laughs> in this movie they they really you really cannot say enough about how great a job they did with the Daleks in this yeah. in this film what about you Dave um, I don't mind this I mean I, it's kind of interesting that this this Dalek story has gone through a number of different interpretations so you've got obviously the original version you've got this you've got David Whittaker's novelization of it which is also doubles as a completely new origin story for the Doctor meeting Ian and Barbara uh, the, the whole thing is told from Ian, is told in the first person from Ian's perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really like if you've never read it, I'd wholly re- recommend reading it because it is uh, like, like another version of the story again, with a brand new version of how Ian and Barbara meet the Doctor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so this story has actually gone through a fair few retellings, and I mean this is. It, it, this is fine. This is like a bit of technical spectacle. This is, I mean, this is what it, it was meant to be a Saturday afternoon film to take your family mm-hmm. to. You know, and, and it is that. It is absolutely that. Like, but there are, there are some great things here. I mean, Cushing is great. I think the music's really good in this. I think some of the, like, like the sets and like Dan says, like using the scope of, you know, widescreen and Technicolor to kind of really kind of build and do things that the TV show couldn't is definitely there yeah I think the, like the other actors I think Roberta Toby is fantastic it's a, she's I really think she's good. really really good. Really, really good really good she went on to release a single uh, single called uh, when she was a bit older called Who's Doctor Who that's been used in a few kind yeah. of special features yeah, and stuff yeah <laughs> yeah it was the 60s we were going to make pop stars out of everybody <laughs> yeah I mean, it's, it's it's not quite as good as I'm going to spend my Christmas with the Daleks. Well, what is though? Yeah, it's very true. I mean, and it is the season, so you know. <laughs> maybe we can maybe we can stick that on the end, Mike. Do, do we... <laughs> yeah, just uh, what, what's it called? I'm going to spend my Christmas with a Dalek. It, it it was a genuine. This is a genuine '60s single that was released again round right about Christmas. Trying to catch on the Dalek mania thing. Mm. It, it has to be heard to be believed. Okay. It's a definite thing that happened, yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, like, this is like an interesting kind of curiosity because it kind of sort of represents, in a way, kind of the peak of Dalek mania in terms of how the Daleks became a cultural phenomenon that, like, like we've said all the way through this, the marketing campaign was the Daleks. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like, like Doctor Who is very much, like, all, yeah, the character of the Doctor is very much a sideshow here. He, you know, pe- people are coming to see the Daleks. 
It's important to note that in the second, the second movie is called Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. Mm-hmm. Doctor Who's not in the title. Yeah, and it's you know, the big, in a way, the beginning of a lot of the kind of money making that Terry Nation thought he could make with the Daleks in terms of them being his creation mm-hmm. and Ray Cusick, the designer of the Daleks, making sod all. Yeah. <laughs> Still one of the great great injustices of uh, of Doctor Who that the Ray Cusick made kind of like pretty much no money despite the fact he kind of like um like he like the the Daleks as a on paper are fine, but it's the design that made them work. Yeah, it, it really is a shame that, that it took so long for him to get any kind of notice at all. So, I, mean, I, I think that in a way I'm glad it exists. Like it, It's an interesting kind of sideways in time version. I've seen some people sort of like fan cap, well, headcanon this as like when Ian and Barbara went back home they kind of like Ian wrote a script <laughs> and sold it. <laughs> So, so the, like the Cushing films actually exist in the Doctor Who universe as <laughs> like a retellings of, of, of um, Ian's and Barbara's adventures, essentially. <laughs> which, which I, I really like is like a little bit of sort of a fanon about the uh, about, about these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, my head canon is that this is the universe either Inferno happens in or the Metacrisis Doctor was dumped in with Rose. That was my head. <laughs> the doctor's still out there. It's just this is the doctor, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the thing is, like, he was. I've seen sort of like. I mean, I think Mike, you posted the other day from the seventies sort of comic that you know the little illustration of the cushion doctor that was oh, in yeah. the comic. Yeah. So, so yeah, these, these films aren't popular with everybody, but sort of like it's always a, like it's always a joke in sort of some. Was a fan. It was like, well, "Who's your favourite doctor?" You say Peter Cushing. You start a riot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, yeah, no, I think it's like it's great that this happened. Mm-hmm. And while sort of like I don't go back to them often, I do go back to them occasionally. And yes, the second one I think is better, but it wouldn't exist without this one. So. And uh, you know, overall, I think everyone does. I think Roy Roy Castle is is, is a great performer, and he he does exactly what he's asked yep. of him in this. And like what what he does, he does very well. Like, he's a good physical comedian. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so as a piece of kind of kind of almost kind of Doctor Who ephemera. Sort of like, like this is a thing that exists. It's kind of connected to Doctor Who. It's kind of like represents one of the many weird left turns that the series went through during its lifespan, in terms of sort of like weird side media. Yeah. Sort of like yeah, you've got this at one end of the scale. You've got the kind of prime computer adverts of the eighties with Tom Baker and Lala Ward. You know, these are all kind of weird bits of Doctor Who history, and that's one of the things I think that. I think as fans of the show now, it's always, especially when you have fans kind of joining the new show and start looking into, like, discovering all this kind of crazy stuff that happened over the course of, like, the last 60 years. Mm-hmm. Just all the random shit took <laughs> <laughs> place over 60 years. You know, the the weird children in need special with involved 3D glasses and was a crossover oh, with God. EastEnders. Like, that actually yeah. happened. 
<laughs> like that they, they, they used to be ice lolly adverts yeah. with somebody kind of vaguely dressed as Patrick Troughton with his hands over his yep. face. <laughs> and of course, the Quark, the Quarks were the most dominant villain in the comics for yeah, a while. That's true. We can't we can't forget the the charity single. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that 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 also. Yeah, happened. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Somebody, somebody thought that was a good. Ian idea. Levine thought that was a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I was I was, try, I was trying not to invoke. Him, yeah, right? I know. <laughs> if you say if you look in a mirror and say his name three times, <laughs> he he has a hissy fit. Behind yeah. Him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yes, yeah, so like, but yeah. Overall, Doctor Who's had this lovely history over the last sixty years with so many quirky left and right turns and weird bits of side media, um, of, of which this is one. And I'm, I'm, on that level, if nothing else, I'm pleased that it, that it exists and is a thing that can be enjoyed. I wanted to thank Dave for joining us today and for doing the synopsis the synopsis dan thank you as always and thank you to the listeners for joining us for this uh special edition of bigger on the inside i bring you greetings from all daleks i'm gonna spend my christmas with a dalek Underneath the mistletoe And if he's very nice I'll feed him sugar spice And hang a Christmas stocking From his big left toe And when we both get up On Christmas morning I'll kiss him on his chromium plated head And take him in To say hi to mum And frighten daddy out of his bed Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Happy Christmas Happy Christmas Merry Christmas I wish to be your friend Please may I have some more plum pudding Christmas 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 Happy Christmas Merry Christmas Merry Christmas I love you Happy Christmas You love me Merry Christmas Merry Christmas Merry Christmas!